Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for this penultimate Wednesday edition of the Frary and Smith podcast in the month of May. It's a great day to talk some Sunbelt football, but before we do, we wanted to remind you about our last episode. Caden and I continued our Sunbelt position preview series by ranking the league's top running backs ahead of the 2023 season. And trust us, it'll leave you shouting Auntie Chill too. Today on episode 82 of the show, we're excited to welcome South Alabama Athletic Director Joel Erdman to the Frary and Smith podcast as we continue our Decision Maker series, which shines the spotlight on the leaders at the forefront of the ever-evolving world of college athletics. Caden, these conversations, they've been insightful. They've provided us a lot of unique perspectives on what's currently happening around college athletics. They definitely have been, no, and I know we're only two episodes into this series, but I think it's already competing with our series from earlier this season when we were talking to some of the reporters that were at these different universities. It's kind of a reversed thing we're going with now, talking to some of the high-end leaders at these same universities, and it's just been great to get that insight, not only on these schools specifically, but just a large scope on the college football and college athletics world as a, as a whole as there's so many changes going on right now. Yeah, definitely is ever evolving. And today on this episode, we will hear from Dr. Joel Erdman, who has presided rather over one of the most successful eras in South Alabama history during his nearly 14 years as the school's athletic director. During his time at South Alabama, Joel has overseen the start of an NCAA Division I FBS football program, guided the construction of Hancock Whitney Stadium and other capital projects, as well as orchestrating numerous championships across the school's 15 athletic programs. Dr. Erdman brings a unique perspective to the role, having been a former student athlete at South Dakota State, a coach and also an educator before settling into his current role in college athletic administration. Through hard work and an atmosphere of excellence, he has led the South Alabama Athletic Department to new heights that have included best-ever academic progress rates in six Bubis Cup Championships, the Sunbelt Conference's all-sports trophy in the last nine years. Joel continues to provide strong leadership amid the constantly changing college athletic landscape. Caden, this really was a great conversation with Dr. Erdman. Give our listeners a quick preview of what they're going to hear from Joel in this interview. Yeah, unlike our previous interview, I'm not as familiar and hadn't talked to Dr. Erdman, but I can assure you that South Alabama is definitely in good hands as an athletic program moving forward. Just hearing from his background, his ideas, his mindset, and how he's just shepherded this program really through some of the early years of it, of it being an athletic program. So without further ado, let's get to our interview with the one and only athletic director of South Alabama, Joel Erdman. Really excited to have Dr. Joel Erdman on the podcast. Joel, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, as we always do, we're just going to jump right in. And our listeners love to hear about people's journeys through college athletics. You've had a very unique one, including time as a student athlete, a coach, an educator uh, before your administrative career even began. Which of those experiences would you say has had the biggest impact on you and your current role as athletic director at South Alabama? I think all... All experiences ultimately contribute to to who you are and and how you think. And so whether it was as a a student athlete at South Dakota State or an assistant baseball coach at University of the Pacific in California or here at South Alabama, uh, also had a great experience as a faculty member here at South Alabama. Uh, But then on the administrative side, working under and with tremendously uh, gifted people and professional people 
from uh, my predecessor here, Joe Godfrey, to the former AD at Pacific, Ted Leland, and, and so many people along the way that helped shape and mold you, uh, help, help create your philosophy, if you will, and, and uh, how you manage and how you lead. So I, I, I think it's hard to prioritize one specific experience over the other, but it, it, it all culminates in, in the larger structure and the larger picture. Joel, thanks again for joining us. Your motto and the core values of South Alabama athletics are graduation, citizenship, and championships. Those first and third ones are a little bit self-explanatory, but that citizenship one kind of caught my eye and is a unique and interesting value. Could you break down what that word means to you and to this program? You know, it is it is making sure our priorities are in the right place. And, and as I view it, uh, being a, an appropriate citizen, a positive contributing citizen to our society is, is that spans across how you interact with people one-on-one, how you care about the campus you're at, the people that you serve, um, and the people you learn and work with every day. And along with that, it ripple effects into the larger communities, the cities that we serve, the states we serve, the regions we serve, and then ultimately the overall institution of collegiate athletics. So, you know, being a good citizen can boil down to, to being very simplistic is, is be a good person, make good decisions, be careful of others, uh, caring of others, and uh, treat, treat each other the way we all should be treated. Yeah, I think those are some great points, and I've said it once, and I will definitely say this multiple times again. We think about the number of student-athletes that actually turn professional versus going pro and something else. Caden's an example of that, Uh, and so just the importance of building you know, those life skills uh, ahead of their future. Um, This South Alabama Athletic Department, they're set to win their sixth uh, Vic Bubis Cup uh, in the last nine years this season. Your teams have had a number of strong finishes during this athletic year, what does that award say about the health of the athletic department as a whole and ultimately the quality of the coaches in it? Well, I, it, it speaks volumes about who we see ourselves as and what we see as our identity and how we want to be perceived. And, and, and that is that, that we value every sport equal and, and we have equal expectations of all 17 sports, of all head coaches of all student athletes in whatever sport they love and they play. And, and so we, we do our best to support everybody to the best of our ability within our resources and, and provide them with a good chance to be successful on a consistent basis. And so if, if, if a program is, is competing for a conference championship uh, on a consistent basis, that, that means you're more likely to win one, right? And the more likely you win one, then you go to postseason play and win CAA more often, and and then you can go deeper more often. So uh, we do. We truly believe in every one of our programs and in every one of our coaches and student athletes, and we're very proud to point to the Bubis Cup as as clear vision of that and and clear accomplishments that that are are placed at the lap of our coaches and our student athletes. Joel, we spoke with App State Athletic Director Doug Gillen earlier in this series, and he spoke about the history of their football program and the benefits that come with that. South Alabama is a program that's in a little bit different of a position, only being around for so many years and you being there since day one. What's been the most rewarding part about helping build and shepherd this football program along? 
watching the the program evolve, watching it develop, and and even in some lean years where maybe we we did not have the number of wins we would have liked, we achieved things that that allowed us to progress, allowed us to take another step. And and so over the decade or so that we have had football and and the short time we've been at the FBS, we've been very fortunate to achieve things. Now, you know, what what comes with that is we've got to continue to develop our fan base. And what's been very fun about being on campus and playing on campus at Hancock Whitney Stadium is is that true collegiate game day atmosphere. Our our pregame festivities, the the fellowship, the tailgating, whatever you want to call it, is is grows every year. Then we have a great environment and people are seeing that and coming from distances to experience it. And so along with that, when the winds start to come and develop and we start to to begin a, a consistent pattern of success, then everything mushrooms, everything grows and you start to blossom. So um, it's been very rewarding to see the very beginnings and the, the, the opportunities, the challenges, but also those early student athletes that had the courage to be with us before there was any real tangible reward. You know, they knew coming in that there was not going to be a bowl game. There was not going to be a championship game. And, and they bought into the fact of I'm going to start the foundation of this football program and now they're very proud to see the program doing what it's currently doing. And along with that, our campus life, our fans, our alumni, uh, it, it has grown tentacles into everything that we do, and it helps everything South Alabama. Well, I remember growing up going to uh, old Lad Peebles Stadium. I've now been to Hancock-Whitney, and I must say the experience is much better and looking forward uh, to the future there. Um, you talked about football, so let's kind of transition into talking about the season that just wrapped up. Your football team is coming off of a historic season, one with the most wins in school history. From your perspective, what made this year so special for the Jags? And more specifically, what makes their leader, Kane Womack, the right man for the job at this time? Kane is, is, is an incredibly talented, gifted, um, and humble human being who happens to be a very knowledgeable, smart, and savvy football coach. Uh, I think I think at the forefront of why he's effective, in my opinion, is he has great interpersonal skills and 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 has develops trusting relationships with players, with the locker room, uh, has very clear expectations that are driven by a common vision. Um, there's there's that 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 sweet spot and that, that, that tough place that's hard to achieve in today's world of allowing student athletes to be their own person while at the same time establishing cohesion and unity that is balanced with accountability and high expectations. So that, that is a tough thing when you're dealing with, with young adults today to let them grow, let them be individuals while at the same time uh, understanding the core importance of, of serving each other, playing for each other, and holding each other accountable. That's, I think, Kane's greatest strength. Now, along with that, he, 
He is a, a very savvy and talented football mind. He, he is cutting edge. He is uh, uh, doing innovative things strategically and planning and execution on every aspect of the game, both sides of the ball and special teams. Uh, he also has had the great ability to, to hire and retain uh, a great coaching staff and a great support staff around him. So uh, put that all together in a ball and, and, and mix it in with some very aggressive, high-energy recruiting, and, and you have a 10-win season. And, and you're, you're a couple snaps away from something even more. So, uh, um, you know, it, it just didn't happen. It happened by a plan and, and through the leadership of a great head coach but also, probably more importantly, in my opinion, through through great leadership in the locker room, where they had student leaders that were in that huddle on those sidelines that were were demanding of their teammates and encouraging of their teammates. Yeah, there's no doubt Coach Walmack is a special coach that led a special season that I'll pat myself on the back for that I somewhat saw coming before the season. But unfortunately, that year did not end the way the team wanted to, the fan base wanted to, with that loss in the New Orleans Bowl to Western Kentucky, a team I'm familiar from. from my playing days that also beat me in a bowl game so no hard feelings there but what was it like I guess having that season having South Alabama I guess be on that stage for the New Orleans but what impacts did you see stemming from that latest bowl appearance well you know I think it 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 was tremendous we we view all bowl games as great games but but being in Mobile and having the ability to be invited to New Orleans for the RL Carriers uh, uh, bowl game was very special to us and our fan base and and very proud of our fan base for how they traveled how they showed up the electricity they brought into the dome and to the nights before um uh, i i I think we were well prepared i think we were ready to go we were excited to be there and and took the hat to western kentucky they got out of the blocks and and got down the field pretty quick a couple times and before we knew it we were on our heels um, but we rebounded and we stiffened, if you will. And uh, uh, by the time we got up and going in the proper direction, the game had expired. And so the outcome wasn't what we desired, but the experience, the process uh, uh, was very positive. And, and you know, you, you've got to go to the dance a couple times to figure out how to dance and do it well. And, and so I think as we're able – to, to capitalize on things and get to a consistent rhythm where a, a ball game isn't um, uncommon, it's common, uh, I think you'll start to see different results there, as you see in other programs that have been playing for 40, 60, 120 years. Well, we're all certainly hoping that that first bowl victory uh, comes this season. Uh, let's talk about uh, this season ahead you know, looking ahead to this fall, you guys are going to open your season at the Cotton Bowl champion Tulane. Then week three, you go out to Stillwater to play Oklahoma State. And then you start Sunbelt Conference playing week five. What has you most excited about this 2023 Sunbelt football schedule? Gosh, there's so many things. I think it's a great schedule. I, I you know, I um, uh, very, very high recognition of, of what Tulane has done. Uh, they have grown their program and established their program as one that is considered uh, elite. That is a great opportunity for us to go into their home 
Stadium on Labor Day weekend. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a great game, and, and I think you're going to have both teams that are properly prepared, and it's going to be a great football game. And if we can uh, end up on the right side of the ledger, that's going to be a tremendous boost. Um, going to Stillwater is always a challenge. You know, they're going to be up and down the field, and they have a great environment. Uh, but I think there's always opportunities there, too. Central Michigan coming down uh, in late September is going to be the last non-conference game. Uh, they've got a great program with some history. We were fortunate to get them at their place last year, so they're going to have a little edge to them this year. And you get into you know the Sun Belt Conference, which is just continues to grow and, and from a depth standpoint and a quality standpoint. And, and our home schedule is very attractive. You know, we got Louisiana coming in. We've got Arkansas State coming in. We've got Marshall coming in. Uh, it, it, it's going to be a great opportunity for our fan base. We, we also go to Troy. And forgive me, we've got Southern Miss coming in Mobile, too, on a Tuesday night. So our, our home conference schedule is very attractive from a sales standpoint. And then picking up Marshall at home from the East Division and then going to James Madison, uh, those are two very healthy programs on the east side of the, the, the conference that are going to be uh, great games, and we're looking forward to all of it. You know, just by way, as a follow-up to that question, you know, we see a lot of programs promote season ticket sales and things. Looking ahead to this fall, how are you guys trending in that direction in terms of the general growth of this program and the fan base? I, I we're, we're trending in a very positive way, and we've, we've been very intentful um, as led by Coach Womack, by King, to, to better connect with the city that we serve in the city of Mobile. And, and whether that's individuals or whether that's small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large you know, businesses, uh, we've made inroads and continue to make inroads uh, to get people to campus, get people to Hancock Whitney Stadium. Our, our season ticket sales are on pace to be the most we've ever had. Our premium seating has, is all sold out and has a waiting list for our chairbacks, our loads, our, our uh, club, and our suites. And so we've still got great seats available, um, and those are the ones that we're, we're having high success in selling right now. I do need to recognize a very important aspect of our game day, and that's our student and our student attendance. Uh, coming to campus, uh, one of the, the, the primary reasons for it was, was for our students to have an easy way to get to the game. And, and where we placed it on campus, which is right across the street from Greek Road and within a brief walking distance of all on-campus students, um, I, I need to give a very heartfelt shout out to our student body that, that have been supporting us heavily since we've been on campus and before even at LAD. Um, but, you know, we're rocking along at five to 7,000 students every game, and that, that's pretty, pretty, pretty good numbers. And, and they've stayed through rainstorms. They've stayed through cold. They've stayed through early kicks. And uh, they're discovering fun game day environments themselves. You know, I'm glad we got to let you get that shout out to the student body. Me and Noah know very importantly and how, how well and how big the student body is to that game day environment. And you you guys both talking about the schedule just got me even more excited for that schedule. But 
transitioning to some off the field and bigger picture topics that we like to get into in this series, talking to athletic directors. It's no secret that college football and college athletics really as a whole is going through some some wild transformations right now. You see the addition of the transfer portal, name, image, and likeness, even the latest round of conference realignment taking place in the last several years. What's been your biggest challenge as an athletic director during this period of such drastic change across college athletics? Calming the, the stormy waters, right? Focusing on, on what we can control, communicating what we can control. Um, also, working with others to capitalize and take advantage for things that are new. You know, the, the whatever an opinion might be about freedom of movement and the, the magnitude and frequency of, of transfers really doesn't matter. It's, it's here. And so let's figure out how to capitalize upon it. Let's use it to not only our advantage, but to the advantage of our student athletes. Our, our vision still stays the same. We, we're going to have great people here that are, are going to graduate with a degree or two or three, um, and and they're going to be great citizens, and we're going to get after it and, and play for rings. Now, what does that mean with a, a, a high school freshman? What does that mean with a junior college transfer? What does that mean with a four-year transfer? What does that mean with a grad transfer? How do you re-recruit your locker room on a daily basis? How does all that play into name, image, and likeness? And what are we doing to try to provide for our students, provide opportunities for our student athletes to have success in that area? Um, but, but at the same time, never losing focus on what really matters. What really matters is they're going to get a degree. They're going to grow and mature as young adults, and we're going to get after it, and we're going to be successful. Never, never let those things get out of the frame. Yeah, I think that's some great perspective. And I know South Alabama, from talking to several of your head coaches, is in an enviable spot because of the academic rigor of the institution. And that helps you guys uh, in terms of recruiting. Uh, it's not a secret that South Alabama does not have the largest athletic budget in the conference with new additions like JMU and Old Dominion boasting more substantial resources. What does a school like South Alabama need to do in order to keep pace in this ever-evolving Sun Belt? You know, it, it's we grow, grow the family, grow, grow our market share, grow, grow people that, you know, obviously purchase tickets, but also notice us. What is their perception of us? What do they know about us? And um, what can we do to, to shape and mold uh, our profile? You know, our, our profile is very similar to our school's profile, our university's profile, our health system's profile. And, and if you talk to the mayor of the city of Mobile, all of us are, are working hard to raise our profile to more of a national awareness uh, in many different areas, from, from business to health care to athletics to enrollment to student life to research in our classrooms. And so it's, it's, it's a very cool point in time where we're all aligned and we're heading in the right direction, supporting each other. And, and the, the, the goal in that is that that generates more resources because once that machine gets going, it's always going to be thirsty. 
Switching and pivoting over a little bit to conference realignment, we saw the desire to create regional rivalries in this Sun Belt in this latest round of realignment. And this is a strategy that kind of goes against what we're seeing around college football with schools like UCLA about to join the Big Ten and having to travel to New Jersey for games probably in that situation. But now y'all have Southern Miss as a perfect example in this conference being just an hour and a half drive away from Mobile. What have you already? What benefits have you already seen from this strategy, and how do you think the long-term stability of the conference will benefit from that? I, I think we're positioned incredibly well. I think the credit needs to go to the former commissioners from Brightwaters to Commissioner Benson to Commissioner Gill, the the presidents and CEOs, with maybe a little help from us, that that through the two main rounds of realignment and additions, or however you want to look at that we've ended up in a great place. And and we do have a conference that makes sense, that that the the institutions are are similar in mission and similar in how we look and, and, and who we serve. And then within that you do have these pockets of great close rivalries that are within reasonable driving distance that the fans are incredibly excited about. And, you know, the, the, the benefit of having um, three to four institutions that are 200 miles or so from Mobile with one that's 90 miles up the road called Southern Miss, um, that it's hard to put a, a price tag on that and how important that is. But it, I think we've, we've, we've gotten to a place where we're, 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 we're filling up stadiums and arenas. And, and we're, we're playing quality games in front of television audiences or streaming audiences. And, and that's where that profile changes and that attention changes and that perception is enhanced. So, um, you know, I can promise you this, when Southern Miss comes to Mobile this season on a Tuesday night, it's going to be a big night. And when we go to Troy on a Thursday night, that's going to be a big night. And, when, when Louisiana and Arkansas State and Marshall come to Mobile, those are going to be big dates. And uh, so we're, we're very fortunate now we've got to do our job and take advantage of that. Yeah, I can definitely echo what you're saying, Joel, in terms of just the excitement from the fan bases uh, about being a part of this. It's been neat to see just around the conference in the last year. Um, this year is going to be the last year of that four-team CFP playoff model with it expanding to 12 teams in 2024. Back in 2017, you were a part of a select group of athletic directors who completed kind of a mock selection process uh, with that committee. Share as much as you can with us about that experience and maybe give us some thoughts on the expansion of the college football playoff and how that affects South Alabama and the Sun Belt as a whole. Yes, thank you. I, I, I think the, the, the expanded playoff is a, is a very good thing. We have to manage through some things, and there's going to be some unanticipated things happen, right? But it's a great thing. Um, I think a key point is we in the Sun Belt and we as individual institutions do have a legitimate pathway to get into that playoff. And uh, of, of the six, you know, highest rated conference champions, there's a place that the Sun Belt champion or whoever that institution is at that point in time can get into that playoff, which that is extremely important. Um, and, and we need to emphasize that. And then the six at-large playoff spots, you know, depending on how you're doing and who you've beaten and what's the way of the world, 
there's there's opportunities that are out there for us and members of the Sunbelt Conference. Um, you know, I think it, it is a matter of um, you always want to be mindful of of student athletes and and their experience, but but I think the vast majority of people involved in the process see the expansion as a very good thing. It's it's a great exposure for the kids. There are more teams and more experiences. It elongates the season a little bit, but just for a small number of teams. Um, you know, we will see. Uh, if, if the season slides towards the summer one week, which it probably will, right? And, and, and what will that do to then your conference championship games that might now land on Thanksgiving and, and ripple effect into an earlier bowl season? But, um, you know, I, I think we, we understand where all this is going, but I, I think there's a great deal of excitement for everybody. All, all members of the football bowl subdivision have a chance. Uh, a future with the Sunbelt team in the college football playoffs and maybe even hosting or being at another campus for a playoff game is definitely something we're all excited about. But just last week, James Madison acknowledged the Montpelier Collective, which is designed to enhance the opportunities for their student athletes. Several of the league's top football powers have waddled into that space. What is South Alabama doing to keep pace in this ever-changing world of name, image, and likeness? Yeah, we, we do have a, a collective called Jags Impact. And, and you can go to their website at Jags Impact. Uh, and, and it is a uh, not-for-profit who uh, people can donate to. And, and its mission is to connect student-athletes with other not-for-profit causes in the city of Mobile. So the intent here is to give back to the city while um, um, compensating student-athletes for helping to promote a charity of their choice. And, you know, for example, if a student athlete is very connected to the Boys and Girls Club, or if a student athlete is very connected to uh, Habitat for Humanity, and, and they want to help raise awareness for that not-for-profit, then JAG's impact helps connect the dots. And our student athletes can make appearances, they can promote on social media to help drive people to support that charity of their choice. So um, not only is it a chance for student athletes to uh, um, be compensated for real work performed, but it's also in a direct way helping our community and hopefully instilling life lessons into the students about how important it is to help those around us and in our community. So we're very proud of JAG's impact and its existence. The leadership are filled with wonderful people. And um, they're, they're doing a very good job and, and, and moving quite along. We, we also have had a good number of individual uh, businesses in the city of Mobile and around that, that have gone the route of just direct contact with student athletes and, and asking them to advertise for their company. Um, so we, we are, um, I think, on, on the front end of the curve, respectfully speaking, and, but that's something that, that we need to continue to focus on and help people. I think there's a lot with name, image, and likeness that is just a lack of understanding and information. And there's a lot of wrong information out there. At the core of name, image, and likeness is something that is very good and it's very fair. 
And if it's done in a reasonable, transparent way, it can be a very positive impact for our student athletes, but also I think college athletics, if it's done in a very reasonable and fair and transparent way. I really appreciate that perspective right there, because again, you are right. There is a lot of uh, people out there who don't fully understand it. It's being used in wrong ways. Uh, So I appreciate that perspective and just how it can benefit the lives of these student athletes. Joel, we know you're a baseball guy, so we've got to end with a question that we end every podcast with. Uh, You played baseball at South Dakota State. Give us a scouting report on Joel Erdman back in the day playing baseball. And we always ask per usual on this podcast, what was your baseball walk-up song or what would it be these days? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm going to show my age. We didn't even have walk-up songs at South Dakota State, man. We were rolling, <laughs> we were rolling snowmen off the field some games. So, um, uh, scouting report on me was, uh, I was, I was a role player on some very good teams. I, uh, I, I could not run at all. I was incredibly slow, embarrassingly slow. Uh, I could pick it a little bit, and I had a pretty good arm, but my my accuracy and my control of where the ball was going when it left my hand was always a joke in the dugout. Um, I could hit a little bit, but uh, again, I was a I was a role player uh, on a on a couple of very good teams that made one made the Division Two College World Series on the back. We had some really good arms, and uh, they we just rode them all the way to the series. Um, what would my walk-up song be today? Um, gee whiz. Um, I have to say, I have no idea. I, I just, I don't even, I don't live in that world, man. I'd be lying if I did. Um, I'll take one later and I'll send you a text. How's that? Yeah, that would be great. We'll, uh, we'll make sure to share that on the Twitter account, but thank you for indulging us with that question at the end. Thanks for the scouting report. Uh, Joel, we really appreciate this conversation, just getting to know you better and hear what's going on down at South Alabama and certainly wish you and the department uh, best of luck moving into uh, the summer and into next fall. Thank you both so much and wish you the best. Go Jags. Okay, now I always love those conversations and I enjoy the unique nuggets that sometimes we get out of those questions. One of the things that I enjoyed early in that interview was that conversation just about being a good citizen and how they're preparing their student athletes to not only succeed on the field, but off the field. Definitely. And you're going to hear every athletic director, every coach across the nation try to stress the importance of the academic side of being a student athlete and how that always comes before being an athlete. But that citizenship is definitely a unique niche that I feel like isn't talked about as much and just how you can prepare your student athletes more and further to be good citizens, good citizens in their college community that will result in being good citizens in the real world. So I think that's an awesome thing that he's implemented. And I think it's clear to see when you look at the news, you're not really seeing much about South Alabama student athletes getting into trouble or anything like that. So it's clearly working, clearly has a good head on his shoulders and it's trickled down to his student athletes as well. Also love the perspective he gave on Kane Womack too, who's been at the helm of this program for the last two years. We've seen the on the field success, Kane, but it really feels like he's the right man at the right time in South Alabama history to lead this football program. Definitely. And I'll have to admit, even before like before we started doing this podcast, I wasn't aware of South Alabama's short history as a football program. I didn't know they'd only been around since 2012. So it was really cool to get Joel's perspective from someone who's been there literally since the beginning and how 
He spoke so highly of a guy like Kane Walmack, who's probably pushing to be the best coach in their short history with what he did last season. So I think it's definitely clear that Joel believes in him. It's clear that his players believe in him. And now it's just now fans and us and other people in the media are starting to believe in them too. So Kane's clearly the leader of that ship and doing a great job. And Joel's co-sign just further that furthers that theory. Yeah, it was also exciting too, Kane, just to talk to him about what South Alabama is doing in that NIL space. It's newer. Some of the Sunbelt schools have been a little bit slower to jump into that space, but it feels like South Alabama is well positioned, as Joel said, maybe ahead of the curve a little bit, and that should lead to continued on-field success in all of their sports. Yeah, and I think when you look at NIL, it's definitely not talked about or it's probably overshadowed some of the good that comes out of it. We see student athletes every now and then. And now and again, you'll see a story about them doing some charitable work with their NIL stuff. But South Alabama being on the front end of that and kind of forcing that ideal kind of goes back to the citizenship pillar that was talked about before. And I think he is ahead of the curve. I think when we talk about NIL and all these different changes, a lot of them are unregulated right now. And I think those regulations are going to come down the pipeline. And I think him adding that aspect to their NIL collective is probably going to help them in the long run. And it's definitely going to help their student athletes and just that community in Mobile as a whole in the short term. Yeah, a lot of exciting things going on down in Mobile and certainly hoping for a good 2023 football season to build on what was a historic season in 2022. Well, that will do it for this jam-packed episode of the Frarian Smith podcast. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to South Alabama Athletic Director Joel Erdman, as well as Associate AD Travis Jerome for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Frarian Smith podcast on Wednesday, May 31st. We're going to be continuing our position preview series with an in-depth look at the wide receiver position in the Sun Belt ahead of the 2023 football season. That'll do it for us here at the Frarian Smith Podcast. As always, if you like today's episode, please like, rate, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and the show out. We're going to continue to be here for the remainder of the offseason, keeping you up to date with all the latest happenings from around the league. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.